The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Home delivery now available in Regina and Saskatoon at sassbeerdelivery.ca. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast. Joel Gaston with John Fraser as usual. And it is, um, shall we say, a bit of a bittersweet day here mm-hmm. at the Greencast as uh, our beloved... XFL appears to be no more, as uh, the news, of course, broke yes. over the Easter long weekend as we are recording this on the fake holiday that is Easter Monday. <laughs> unless you're unless you're like us and just we don't have to worry about those job things right now. You know, no. two two fun employed guys. Every day is like an extended weekend. But do you remember that? You remember when you're like a kid and you went through school and you had Easter Monday off and all of a sudden you got to university and or post-secondary of some kind? And that's when you realized it wasn't a holiday and you had to go to class that day. You're like, right. you're like, what the heck is this? I thought this was like a real holiday. No, it's, it's fake. Sorry. Well, I, th- I think there are some school <laughs> systems across across the country that don't give the day off. Like you and I both obviously grew up in the Ontario school mm-hmm. system, which did give you the day off. But yeah. I I, I want to say it's it, it might be Saskatchewan. This shows how much I know about the school system, which is well, great. Well, old enough yet, so. It's true. This fall, Max goes in for, uh, you know, uh, daycare, or not daycare, kindergarten. <laughs> same thing. <laughs> same, same. Hey, one costs a lot less than the other. I'll tell yeah, you that right that's now. That's for sure, but, yeah. Oh, man. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know if it is a, a holiday here in Saskatchewan uh, in terms of the I could be wrong, but... but I thought, like, kids had the week off, maybe, normally. Oh, yeah, something like that. I, I think, don't... I don't know. You, I don't know. If you have kids, message... At John Fraser, at Fraser XPX, and let him know. I don't care. Fraser uh, PXP. PXP, yes. I wonder if there's a Fraser XPX. Maybe. I'm sure I, there would be. I need, to, I need to find this doppelganger of mine now. Anyway. So, yes, the XFL, uh, we learned over the weekend that um, they had seized operations, laid off a bunch of employees, and then on Monday uh, the news broke that the league had filed for bankruptcy. Some interesting little uh, timbits of information there if you want to look up for it. But uh, nothing nothing you really need to get into that too deeply on this podcast. Yeah. Um, and that the league is also apparently up for sale. Now, it's likely liquidation. However, maybe we want to buy a football league. It's true. You know what? I, I, I figure I responded to a comment on Facebook today after I shared your status asking people to come in and you know, uh, buy a football league with us, considering you and I are both uh, temporarily uh, not working at the moment. We are professional podcasters at the moment. Um, Which pays greatly. It's (laughs) awesome. (laughs) Pays in drinks, which is just fine by me at the time. Um, But I can say, like, buying it would be... I wonder, like, I wonder what price the league as a whole, what assets they would have. Like, Like, is this one of those things that, like, you buy it for dirt cheap and try to make some money off the merch sales, or you buy it for dirt cheap and try to make a thing out of it. Because I think you and I, we could just make the XFL's new tagline, embrace the dumb. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear if we bought the Football League and we brought a friend of the show, CBC's Dan Plaster, in with it, that we would go full professional college football on this thing, and it would it would be a fun league. And that's we, we would embrace the dumb, and it would be chaos every week. Like, Organized chaos, like let's. It's not going to be like the original XFL, which was chaos, but in like a bad way, right? <laughs> no, but like actual unplanned chaos where just anything can happen. Kind of like some people like to think the CFL is, but isn't quite as much as it used to be. It's 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 true. You know, one thing I I would love to see, and it's a shame that that I think this is part of what killed the XFL. Obviously, they didn't have a ton of you know revenue coming in. They were you know mm-hmm. largely gate driven. The TV deals were 
you know, kind of done his favors to Vince McMahon with his WWE muscle. But I would have loved to see them. And if you and I are the successful owners of the league, I would love to just end up in like some like 100,000 person cities where, you know, that would be the event having, you know, escalated, you know, professional football or escalated college football. People would come out to watch that. It'd be the thing. Crowds would be rowdy. And of course, you know, all the chaos that you and I could interject into it, you know, such as live mics on radios in the stands during the game. How about that? Maybe. Uh, th- what I would do with the XFL or with some whatever's left of it um, that we could get our hands on to make a lo- run of the league. And I think you and I have talked about this in the past. Yeah. Was basically following the Premier Lacrosse League model. Yes. Where there is no, like, city teams. Like, you don't have, like, a home base for the teams. It's basically, like, a traveling roadshow of football. Yes. And I think that would work better. So you have, like, we, we know the markets where spring football has worked. Basically, anywhere in Texas. Yes. St. Louis has worked. Um, Seattle works because they love their sports. Um, so yes. you basically, you take it to the markets, play a few games each week in each market. And you just travel around the country a little bit. You bring maybe up, you know, you bring a few games to Saskatchewan later in the year when it's not minus 40. You play, right. you play a few weeks, you play like a week in Dallas, a week in Texas, a week in San Antonio. Because, you know, the San Antonio team did well in the AAF. That's the only team down there that really cared. You know, the, right. AAF, the AAF drug right there. Houston, they started filling up their stadium. Uh, Dallas did a little bit too. The old Rangers Park, which looked weird, refurbished a football stadium, but that it's Texas, so that's what that's of course what they did with it, right? Well, of so. course, it, I mean, it just makes it just makes sense. I mean, high school football is religion down there. Yeah, so that's personally what I would do with it. I would take, I would make it an eight-team league and just kind of travel around and have four games in the city every weekend for you know ten weeks or so. Now, again, I know we're going to talk about this in depth later on the pod, but. Do you think, Joel, that would be what professional sports starts to look like in a post-pandemic world? Mm. No. Because to me, I I, I see it... I I, I see more in the short term a WWE model where you build a a few studios, depending on how many teams are in your league, essentially, and play games in a studio. (laughs) Right, yeah. Right. <laughs> now, which sudden, which studio that... wrestling has been incredibly awkward to watch? The few times I've turned into, tuned into like Raw, and it's just like, oof, this this is not good. Yeah, when I was still trying to fill that itch for live sports, which again, I'm surprised how little I'm missing it. Maybe because it's not football season. That's my. That's um, what I'm thinking. It's to me, it's it's not football season, so I haven't really noticed yet. Right. No, I'm. I'm it's it's too early for like baseball would have started by now, but it's way too early to care that much. Right, and NHL playoffs would start now, which is usually when my hockey interest repeaks. But I, again, I've just been so not really in touch with the uh, with pro hockey this year as a whole. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I almost see now. Now, what I mean in, in the future, pro sports, I don't see your established leagues going that way. But no. it would be interesting to see. Like, I think of coming out of this, you know, smaller tier leagues, you know the National Lacrosse League, even, hell, even, like, Saskatchewan Junior A, Junior B hockey, stuff like that, you know, do you just have a site for a weekend now, rather than, because, because to me, that's, that's going to be your trickle-down effect. Yeah, well, and that's, you bring up the Junior A, which is interesting, I saw a tweet from someone, I don't remember who, I honestly don't know who he is, but he seems to be connected to kind of with Junior A circuits in Alberta, 
Yeah. And there's scuttlebutt around there that there could be up to three teams considering taking next season off because they don't think oh. they'll be able to figure this out financially. Oh, 100%. I mean, if you've been around junior hockey in any capacity, you know, nobody's making dough there. Like, no. nobody's making it. You know, you, you've the costs of players and, and billets and equipment and everything and fuel and buses and safety and, you know, toss that in with a, you know, 70-game regular season and trying to make it all happen. Like, it's that to me, like, pro sports will be back. And, I mean, all jokes aside about us, you know, owning the XFL, which I <laughs> I do I do think that'd be a great model. I, I, I like – if we could scrape the bucks together, not that we ever could, but no. if somebody was to buy it and try the barnstorming method, I think there could be merit in that. And that's what I mean. You know, that could be the potential where, you know, in the future we see pro sports moving to that. I'm not inferring that's going to be the CFL model. That no, that to me all. will never happen. The CFL's established enough, but mm-hmm. you know, the trickle down effect, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see leagues give that PLL because the PLL kicked ass doing that. Like they did fantastic numbers wise with the barnstorming approach, right? And you know everybody found dumb reasons to like a team. Which is the best reason to like teams? That's 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 how I watched the XFL. I figured out my I I think I eventually kind of ended on DC just because they were fun to watch. They tried things and it was kind of dumb, right? And their fans are clearly having fun with it too. Exactly. I just I I I I like teams with good kickers and good kicker names. Yes, so that was just that is the that was my thing. Yes, that is to bring that up now. Um, that is the sweet side of uh, the folding of the XFL or the imminent folding of the XFL. Right, is that Sergio Castillo is now on the market? Yes, and Three Down Nations John Hodge suggested on a video with Justin Dunk where he could he thought there's a possibility that Sergio could return to the BC Lions. Sergio, and that would make my day. I don't even care about the BC Lions. I don't know if there's going to be a season this year, but just seeing the news that Sergio is back—that that is the silver lining. Because I, I think, and and we kind of got on a tangent. I think you and I are among the people that are bitterly disappointed that the XFL is no longer a thing. I loved it. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun watching it. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. So now, at least, like you said, there is the silver lining that. You know, we're going to get some, uh, hopefully get some Sergio back in our face here, back in Canada. So we could possibly execute that plan of interviewing him at practice and making him the first player to ever appear on the Greencast. Absolutely. And the other thing, if there's any exec type listening out here, which I know you're not, um, <laughs> do us all a favor and also sign Ernesto Lacayo. Yes. Looking at you, That's... Hamilton, you just lost a kicker because Liam Hiralahu signed with the LA Rams. Or, or as Bob Irving used to say, Liram Haralahu. He used to like have a sing-songy way of saying it when I listen to Bomber Games. So, mm-hmm. as the CFL loses a great name, we need to bring one back. And Ernesto, you're you gotta you gotta come. Absolutely, Liram's gone. There's no more sing-songy Bob Irving Haralahu into your ear holes. Mm-hmm. We need you, Ernesto I Hamilton. Was, yeah, looking at you. As an old radio guy, I always knew how to say Hyralahu, but whenever the writers play the Bombers, I will admit his last name was always on copy and paste when I was writing uh, post-game stories. <laughs> well, that's it. You knew how to, you knew <laughs> knew how how to, to say, say it. it. I couldn't spell but, it. I knew how to say it. 
<laughs> oh my god, I'm just yeah, I'm I'm with you. When I was writing web copy up at CJWW for the legacy filled Saskatoon homepage .ca, I'm just uh, I'm just glad that he never played there because I because again nobody read that website. It was a it was a pile of garbage and nobody ever went there. So I was able to just like he could have kicked 17 field goals against the Riders and I'd find a way to not include his name. <laughs> so. On this episode, we are, of course, going to talk about uh, the CFL delaying the start of the season and how inevitable that was, and it'll kind of tie off into some other conversations that have to do with that as well, kind of, uh, we touched on it a little bit, the uh, post-COVID world of sports and uh, what that may look like. But first, as always, John, before we get into all of that, what's in the glass this week? Well, for the uh, only second time ever, uh, I don't have a beer in my glass this week, for the first time ever. It's actually a company I will name off by name. Um, this week, I a couple weeks ago, I uh, tried some Pink Whitney. You know, it's all the rage. Saw it uh, up on sale at Sobeys. Grabbed a bottle. Turns out, I like pink lemonade and vodka. So this week, being the economical frugal man that I am, uh, we went out to the liquor store. Uh, I was looking. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not much of a vodka connoisseur. I'd like to support local. But... You know, in in all fairness, I am non-employed right now. So I need to, you know, save a couple bucks. So as I'm looking at that terrible red capped Smirnoff going, ew. I then out of my own curiosity turn around and look at the local selection. And after ignoring the brewery that should not be named or distillery that shall not be named, I looked and saw that lucky bastard, seven times distilled, Giving away free hand sanitizer for anybody that needs it, not selling it for a profit here in Saskatchewan. Or putting up a GoFundMe to pay for expansions they already had planned. Exactly. Not doing anything sketchy like all of the above. Instead, good people, hardworking people. And uh, it was actually, to my surprise, a 40-pounder was cheaper than Smirnoff. So Hmm. I happily picked it up. And since then, I have been uh, taking a shot and a half to three shots of Lucky Bastard. Because it, I, I'm not going to lie. Again, not being much of a vodka guy, compared to the Smirnoff I was drinking before, it's so smooth. It is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, you throw a little of those Crystal Light premix in there, mix it all up, add ice and water, and it is better than the pink, prepackaged Pink Whitney. Gives you a chance to support local and save and save yourself a couple bucks because, I mean, like, I think it was uh, – I wasn't even at a liquor store that's known for being affordable. Uh, and it was 33 bucks for a 40-pounder plus your taxes, fees, all that kind of good stuff. So Lucky Bastard with some Crystal Light pink lemonade and zero calories because I am getting a fat ass with all the baking I'm doing. Well, you are, you're not alone definitely in, uh, in that regard as we know uh... – we're going to probably call this the, what, the COVID-19, that's usually the COVID, the freshman 15 will become the COVID-15 when we're all, <laughs> when we're all through this. If we're lucky, it'll only be 15. That's fair. I actually think we're about two weeks away from renaming this podcast, This Week in Bread. <laughs> that's also a possibility. It might be more interesting than whatever's not going on in the CFL at that point. That's fair. Though that's no fair. one, though I have a sourdough sorter, but I don't talk about it because I know it's like your fantasy hockey team or your fantasy football <laughs> team. No one cares. So don't talk about it. <laughs> I've been, uh, I fucked up pretzels. Oh, there, there's the Whatever. second F Bob. Um, yeah, I, I effed up some pretzels the first time I tried to make them. So I redeemed myself today. 
Um, the funny thing is, though, is the pretzels. Like, I wanted to be like you because when you when you messed up your one loaf of bread and you put it on, you're like, listen, I share my successes. I got to share my failures. Yeah. The problem is, is these pretzels look so good, <laughs> but they were so oily and greasy. It tasted like uncooked dough in your mouth, and it was just terrible. So I wanted to share, like you did on social media, how badly I screwed up the pretzels, but there'd be no way without showing a video of me chewing, and nobody needs to see that. That's fair. Yeah. Just, Unless just, you put up, like, an obnoxious, like, well, those videos on YouTube, it's like 26 hours of John chewing <laughs> pretzels. <laughs> With some sort of, uh, some sort of hip-hop beat in the back. <laughs> yeah. Some sort of chill music so you can just like throw it on while you're studying and you just hear me go. It could be good I, white noise for people trying to sleep. I don't know. <laughs> I hope there's better white noise out there than than uh, than me chewing. I'm sure there is. There has to be. That's, that's true. I'm not I'm not a loud chewer, but sometimes <laughs> from from a um, from from my playing days when I was a goalie, I took a puck right off the mask and uh, my jaw jammed up for a few days. So once in a while, while I'm eating, and people have called me on this, I'll be like eating, you just hear this loud like snap. It's just my jaw popping. Okay, good to know. So it would be terrible white noise. It'd just be like, snap! And away you go. So, yeah. This, this, in terms of investment ideas, probably not our best, Joel. We should probably still focus on buying the XFL. It's probably a better outcome. Uh, for me, I have uh, I ordered some beer from uh, one of the newer breweries in Regina called Warehouse Brewing. They are, Ooh. of course, in the warehouse district. Makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, so I ordered uh, three beers from them. They have uh, crowlers available for delivery in both Regina, either through themselves or sponsors of the show Pile of Bones Brewing in saskbeerdelivery.ca. Uh, you can also, I believe, get their stuff through saskbeerdelivery.ca in Saskatoon. Um, so they, I bought, I got an IPA. It's kind of an old school uh, multi-English uh, style IPA. I had that the other night. Pretty good. Uh, tonight, I am drinking their... I believe it's called Bay 8, which I'm sure has something to do because oh. the story that they're in, they're in like where the Weston um, baking plant used to be in Regina, essentially. Okay. Yeah. So they've taken over that space. So I'm assuming Bay 8 has something to do with like the loading dock or something. I don't know. I haven't really looked into it that deeply, but it's a Rye ISA. Oh, right, right, right. Yes, I haven't I haven't had an opportunity to try a Rye ISA, so I might have yes. to... Uh... So it's an ISA, and of course, India Session Ale, so it's a little lighter. I think it's around 3.8%, but it's got that nice little bite of rye that you get sometimes from rye ale. Ooh, nice. So it's, it's nice. I have to admit, when I opened it while I was waiting forever for you to be available to do this podcast, um, <laughs> it was quite cold coming out of the fridge because it was like hanging out below my icebox. So I think right. it was a little too cold. Now it's warmed up nicely, and... Uh, the flavors are really, uh, really nicely starting to come out now. Yeah. So really, my children just not going to sleep has helped you discover another new beer that I definitely need to try. Yes, and because I have, you've a, never I have a kettle sour try. in the fridge too that I haven't opened yet. So, mm-hmm. and although I'm not drinking uh, beer tonight, uh, speaking of delivery, I, I, I use the liquor store as kind of one of my few times I actually get out of the house. I don't like getting out of the house now, but yeah. I go a little stir crazy being at home all the time with the boys. Um, and yeah, I picked up actually, uh, Ella Pale Ale from Nine Mile, uh, another friend mm-hmm. of the program, uh, on sale. Sobeys came in one of those nice bottles, eight, I think it was like eight bucks for the big tall bottle, which you can get a couple pints out of. So, uh, I had that earlier that week. So a nice little shout out there to, to our friends at Nine Mile. So as, uh, we all know by now, the CFL regular season is not going to start on time. Uh, we don't know exactly yet when it is going to start, but 
at this point, it's pretty clear that this was an inevitable decision. As soon as they yeah. delayed training camps and essentially that day, layoffs started in Calgary and Montreal. So I've heard Calgary has rehired their people with the wage subsidy thing, so that's good. Um, but regardless, you knew at that point that the league had probably been talking greater plans to the teams than they had discussed in the public sphere. And I think while it was fair probably a month or two ago, maybe a month ago, all time blends together right now, I guess a month ago when this whole sort of thing started, we all thought, okay, the CFL is a decent way off still. It'll probably be okay. But as time passed, it became pretty clear that, no, this season wasn't going to start on time. And I would be stunned if this season started before mid-August. I would be stunned, Joel, if we have a season at all. That too, but I'm just trying to be somewhat optimistic, but yeah. Yeah, and, and, and normally I I try to be the same way, and I was feeling the same way until I think it was actually uh, Greg from Piffles did some very simple math and pointed out that the only revenue that teams bring in outside of you know national and local sponsorships is the CFL TSN deal, mm-hmm. um, which essentially covers each team's operating expenses in terms of player like, salaries. It covers player salaries, but there's obviously a lot more to operating a football team in terms of cost than that. Exactly, significantly more. Yeah. So. I was feeling cautiously optimistic, you know, like you. I was thinking same thing. I, you know, people were talking about a Canada Day start, and then I was thinking, you know, uh, like you, I was thinking more of a Labor Day start, even mm-hmm. you know, a quick, a short. It, everybody plays everybody once, you know, season starting after Labor Day, wrapping up with the Grey Cup in late November, right? Um, but as we've gone on. And as Greg so eloquently pointed out and simply pointed out on Twitter, I don't think the CFL can survive without fans in the stands. No, they can't. They just, they flat out can't. Now, I don't think the world is going to be at a point that even if it's okay-ish to gather in large large crowds again come, you know, August, September, you know, you and I were talking about that this week we were texting about that that Mm -hmm. i don't know if i would feel comfortable and what was it you texted me a study done in the u.s said 70 percent of respondents said they would feel the same way yeah about 70 percent of sports fans granted it was about a thousand people which i don't know if the ratio holds up in the states like it does up here for that statistically speaking or not but regardless considering how sports crazy america is compared to canada while we love our sports here it's on a whole other level down the united states so if 70% of people within that sample think that way, you have to think to some degree, it probably applies to the rest of the United States. And that's, that's, that's a big number. That's a worrisome number. If you are in charge of a sports league thinking, okay, our fans don't want to come watch us. Yeah, exactly. So let's even say hypothetically that let's, let's shoot way low and say it's 50%, Mm -hmm. right? The riders who are the consistent beacon of, you know, good attendance in the CFL, you know, couldn't sell out at the end of last season. Let's round it down and say... Only one regular season game that sold out last year, so... Exactly. So let's conservatively round it down and say the riders per game had 28,000 people showing up at the game on average, right? Sure, the average tennis numbers out there, I just, I'm not going to look it up because the connection will get all glitchy and somebody's going to say, actually, it was 27,232. I think it was around 30. 
Okay, so let's let's say around 30. So if half, 50% of those people that showed up at those games don't feel comfortable going to a large social gathering anymore, you all of a sudden have a riders team that has 15,000 people in a brand new stadium that has to be paid for. And the trend continues downward from there, right? Mm-hmm. That's why I think the CFL out of all, and, and, and this might sound a little crazy, but you know, the more I think about it, the more I don't think this is going to be a Johnny Manziel level of take. Nothing will I, be. No, exactly. That was just terrible. That was the worst I've ever come up with. Comically bad, really. I think there's a higher chance that we see the NBA or the NHL again in the summer than we see the CFL. Because the CFL simply cannot survive without people in the stands. Meanwhile, the NHL, NBA, and Major League Baseball have a way to survive in empty stadiums. The CFL just can't The the MLB is already doing that regularly, so. Yeah, exactly, right? I mean, like, all jokes aside, yeah, they've got, (laughs) if anything, I think MLB teams, you know, this this plan they have of potentially playing their spring training games and, you know, or playing at their spring training venues – you know, and, and like the guys, the accountants for MLB teams have to be salivating. I mean, they'd be saving themselves a ton of dough not opening up these big, big stadiums to have 8,000 people show up on a Wednesday night, right? So I don't think, and I hope I'm wrong, I really do, because of, of the way the CF business model is set up, I, and I think that there's smart enough people in the CFL. I do not think we will see a CFL season this year. It is not a deep enough league to lose the kind of money they would lose playing in front of empty stadiums. You don't have billionaire owners. You have millionaire owners. You have public ownership. You just you can't. The CFL the CFL can operate at a small loss as many teams do. Mm-hmm. But there's no way there's no way in hell they can operate at a big loss like potentially some of these NHL and MLB clubs could potentially do just to make sure their products, you know, the first one to get back on TV. So I and and I think the final the final point I'm going to make in my doom and gloom scenario. I don't think you see that US Canada border reopened until next year sometime. Might be, yeah. Right. I, I get that the, the guys are on work permits essentially here in Canada and, and, and the logistics behind that. They might be able to get back across the border. But with the utter shit show that is America's response to COVID, you know, we're all feeling warm and fuzzy, especially in the past couple of weeks here as Canadians, I think as a whole. You know, all hell has broken loose south of the border. And that's why I think that border will remain closed until late into December. And last time I checked, CFL rosters are 50% American. Mm-hmm. So I just don't know. I don't know if you can get the players up there. I don't think the league can operate in front of no fans. I wouldn't be surprised to see. I could I could see it coming as soon as as soon as Canada Day. The league basically saying, hey, listen, because, you know, we're out. I think you have to watch what's happening in the States. Things in the States are not getting better. And that's what I think will be the big holdup, and that's why I don't think we'll see a CFL season this year. Yeah, it, there's certainly a lot of scenarios where you could see it happen, and I think the sort of the date that will cross where they, you know, the, the no going back line 
probably is sooner than people would like to think. And of course, we would all love to have a CFL season this year. I don't think there's any question about that. I know there's lots of questions about legitimacy in terms of how many games you have to play for it to count. Sports is all a made-up construct. It doesn't matter. There's no right. there's no legitimacy to how whether you play 18 games, you play 8 games, you play 4 games, you do a triple knockout tournament. I don't care. Just right. just do something and it'll, it'll be fine. It's legitimate. It doesn't matter because that's the scenario that you've created for yourself in that given season. Yes. So to me, it doesn't matter how many games they play, but there has to be a certain point where, yeah, it's clearly not going to work. And it's probably coming sooner than people think. And... You know, you're right. The like the the margins for teams in this league are very razor thin as they are. If you take fans out of the equation, no team in this league is going to come close to turning a profit. And that yeah. includes the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, who are the financial beacon of the team. Now, granted, they could trim a lot of other costs that they probably bury some money in because they're a public team to make sure that they're not making too much profit every year. Right, naturally. But, but Based on their 2018 financial report, you crunch the numbers, they've made about $1.8 million per game in overall, you know, and that was just ticket sales. There's all kinds of other things that go into, you know, game days. We don't really know how, like, advertising and all those contracts work. So push all that aside, and a lot of that stuff operates on a per-game basis as well. We obviously don't know how that stuff works overall, though, but... In terms of pure ticket sales, in terms of, you know, game day, luxury suites, season ticket allocation, the whole thing, is about $1.8 million per game. The Riders made, I believe, I don't remember the number off the top of my head, it was about $1.4 million in 2018. Yes. Because we don't have the 2019 numbers yet. They usually release those numbers in June. Right. Uh, Craig Reynolds said in a conference call this last week that he felt the 2019 ticket numbers were probably roughly the same, so it probably isn't too far off regardless. So the profit right. level's probably about the same as it was the year before. Regardless. So if you take that at face value as, say, the Riders turned around $1.5 million in profit last season or in 2018, you take away one gate, they don't turn a profit. Yeah, yeah exactly. All of a sudden, they exactly haven't turned a profit by not playing by playing one fewer home game without fans. Right. Now... And this might be crazy. Would it be good for the league as a whole to disappear for reasons outside of a labor dispute for a year? Do you think that would help them rebuild interest, make people miss it, and under my theory, come next summer, Mm -hmm. come out in droves? It's a theory I've heard bandied up before. I believe it was friend of the show, Dan Plaster, who suggested this once as well. Not so much for, like, the Winnipegs and the Edmontons and the Saskatchewans, but it's an opportunity. It could be, I don't use the word opportunity, but a chance for, say, places like Vancouver and Toronto to kind of relaunch. Right. And so I I think there is maybe some merit to that. I think Montreal was there. This was going to be their relaunch year, I think. But... To them a little bit too, but for the most part, I think like Vancouver and Toronto, yes, there is probably a chance, whether it works or not is another question, but there is a chance basically to relaunch your franchise at that point. Yeah, I think so. Right, and I look at it too, and we're talking about the Riders not, I mean, they sell well, and the Bombers sell well, and Hamilton sells well. You know, I almost think that if it goes away for a summer. Well, look back, look look what happened in the NHL after they lost an entire season. Right, which like, I think which is, I think Canadian every Canadian team ran like over capacity the next season. Oh, it was ridiculous, and and that was and that was losing a season for stupid reasons. Mm-hmm. Like that was that was losing a season at a point that left a ton of 
bitterness in a lot of fans' mouths, and I know my level of caring, I mean, outside of, I mean, I know my level of caring was at an all-time low, and then the Jets came back, and it spiked again, because, well, the Jets came back, right? Yeah. But I just, I could just, I could just see a reality where, and you have to think, you know, smarter people than us are looking at this at the CFL office going, okay, you know, we probably all lose a shit ton of money if we open the doors this year. And if we take a year off, we probably earn a shit ton more, right? I just, I, I just, like, I see myself, you know, I, I try to attend one to two football games a year if I can. I try to make it out to a bomber game every summer if I can. I try to make it out to at least one rider game, maybe two if I can, throughout the year. Mm-hmm. I, I know myself this year, I'm in that 70%. I ain't going. Not yeah. a chance. Not a chance in hell. Next year, when the world's a little bit more normal, I'll be itching to go. I'll be itching to go to a live sporting event again. So, you know, I'm trying to look at the silver lining after just painting the cloud of utter doom that I painted. <laughs> but I I think it's a terrible situation, but I think it could be a lot of good for all the CFL teams that all of a sudden you've got people that, you know, their passions reignited and they want to get out and they want to support the team and they, you know, want to be watching live football again. Not to mention the fact that the dunk bomb that got dropped that potentially, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to happen. The PA could play the everybody's a free agent card. Yes. Which you and I embrace dumb and embrace, embrace chaos and, Holy crap, I would go from 6 to midnight if that happened. <laughs> yeah, that's entirely fair, and I was going to bring that up in a second. Um, and I, I think the other question, too, in terms of bringing the league back and when they bring it back, the year off could maybe help in a sense as well, just because of people's finances. I mean, right? you open this thing in September, even if, say, you know, we reach herd immunity, by some miracle in September, there's herd immunity or the, you know, it's dead or whatever happened to the virus has miraculously disappeared as Donald Trump said it would. Um, right. <laughs> even if for some reason, you know, that happens, there's some voodoo magic and something happens. I don't know if people are going to want, like people are going to want to get out and spend some money and help local businesses probably the best they can and do that sort of thing and go back to living their life a little bit. But I don't know if people are going to want to be dropping like $500 on, you know, three or four football games for the rest of the season. Well, I, I know I'm, I'm not alone. I mean, my income has been cut significantly going on EI. Now, I'm lucky and blessed that Lacey's still an essential service. So, yes, I mean... You are a lucky bastard. I, <laughs> that's a lot of game drinking. And I mean, you know, you and I are kind of in the same boat where both of our wives are still making enough that our bills are still going to get paid. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, our bills are still going to get paid at the end of the day. And there's a lot of people that don't have it as fortunate as the two of us. And you're right. I even me thinking of, you know, going going back to spending the way I used to spend until, you know, things are back to normal and I've had a few months to separate myself from this layoff. I know I won't be doing that. And I'm in the fortunate position where, you know, things are okay for me. I couldn't imagine the burden that so many people are going through right now. And my heart just aches for those guys that you know, going through a time where you can't even go outside and feel safe. Never mind, you know, you have to worry about making payments and things like that. So, 
yeah, I, I, I think there's, I think there's merit to the league. And I, and, and the thing is too, is, is what I, what I enjoy about CFL leadership right now is I don't think there's that bravado to try to be the first ones back. No, I think obviously you're seeing a lot of that in the big four. Mm-hmm. And I would argue you're seeing a lot of it in some other leagues. The National Lacrosse League comes to mind. Trying to be the first one to get out and come back, right? I think the CFL is taking a step back, and they're and and again, you just look at. I know some Calgary employees got hired on, but I don't think you lay off your guys. You don't lay off your sponsorship and ticket sales guys. You want them still there to be in contact with potential clients and things like that. If you're going to have a season this year, I I I, I don't. Again, doom and gloom. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I think that's entire. So if it doesn't happen, mm-hmm. you brought it up. There is the possibility, though slight, that every player in the league could, in theory, become a free agent. Which would be spectacular. Yes. As you said, we embrace chaos around here on the Three Down Greencast. And from a media perspective and a no-fan-of-one-given-team perspective, I would thoroughly enjoy it. Oh, yes. Certainly. And so even, the question... Even, the even que- as a diehard Winnipeg fan, <laughs> I would enjoy the hell out of it. It'd just be fun. It'd be chaotic. All right. So the question that we've been asking, that people at Three Donation have been asking, I believe we're eventually going to have a post on this. Yes. Um, if you were the general manager of a team, or say you were... I'll plug my piece as well. If you were a quarterback on the team, and you had <laughs> the option of building your own roster, like Keaton Curling. Yes. Which you can find at 3 com right now, if every, quarterback piece, way, to, if, every, if every quarterback had a chance to, every quarterback had a chance. I wanted to get that in there. Um, sure. So, if you were in charge of a team and building a roster, every single player in the league is a free agent. Who's the guy you target first? Hmm. Willie Jefferson. You and Darren Dupont on that train, eh? Yeah, I did a little bit. Um, only because I, th- I think the price you would. If you made him your piece, mm-hmm. um, a he's freakishly athletic. B he's just he brings a skill set that I don't know if I've ever seen before. C I'm a little biased because I am watching the Grey Cup game on by PVR as we record this. Sober this time. It's yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, starting to feel a little warm from the lucky bastard. Nowhere near um, like nowhere near, like actually in November though. Oh no! In November, I'm I, I don't remember the score ever being twenty-one to six, and I think by the time that <laughs> Keith Urban played, I was completely blacked out. Um, but yeah, there's no nervous drinking. I know the end of this one. I think it would be a guy like Willie Jefferson, um, a Cam Judge, a ratio breaker like that. Those would be the pieces that I would want to go get. Um, I know building a good offensive line is obviously so important. Hodge uh, went that think- way. Yeah, he picked uh, Brandon Revenberg. Yeah, yeah, I I can't think, and again, this is just my own lack of knowledge on, on rosters, and I don't watch the O-line enough, and I know the importance of it. I called football for how many years? I know the importance of the O-line, but I would be looking at ratio breakers and, and just, like, freakish athletic guys. Like, again, Willie Jefferson, I'd be looking at a cam judge to, that I could put in at middle linebacker. I'd be looking at those kind of guys because I think if I was a GM, I think everybody else would be so focused on getting Bo Levi Mitchell, mm-hmm. getting Mike Riley, and even to a lesser extent, getting Cody Fajardo. That I think a wise GM could smartly go and say, "Okay, Willie, here's three hundred grand. Let's go." 
you know, go to Cam Judge and say, here's, you know, here's here's 200K. Let's go, right? And that's still less than you're going to pay. Like, you could get those two guys for less than what – because there's no way Bo Levi Mitchell – I mean, I know he readjusted his contract for the salary cap, but there's no way Bo Levi Mitchell's going for less than six or seven. And and I think the way that wise teams are built in the CFL these days is is a way from spending nearly a million dollars on your quarterbacks. It's – you know, I mean, I guess Hamilton fluked into it with, you know, I shouldn't say fluked into it. They found Dane Evans, you know, Zach Calero, the Zach Caleros thing in Winnipeg, you know, Cody Fajardo. All of a sudden you're spending half a mil on quarterbacks and you've got another 500 G to go around roughly for the rest of the team. So those would be the guys I, I would personally look at. How about you, Joel? See, I, I agree with you in principle. Mm-hmm. And would it be is... Sergio Castillo? It would, it would not be Sergio Castillo. <laughs> But here's where I would go. I I am still a firm believer in football. You cannot win without some kind of quarterbacking. Right. And for all the reasons you have mentioned, I would not purpose... I mean, unless for some reason something stupid happened, I would not go after the names you mentioned. Bolivar Mitchell, Mike Rowley, Trevor Harris, etc. Right. You mentioned pretty much every other quarterback that's kind of in the range of the top end, except the guy that I would actually take. Who's that? And that would be Montreal's Vernon Adams Jr. Ah, good pick. I would go with him because, yeah, I figure you could get him in that 450, 500 range. Yes. And then you would have money left over to build pieces around him. Because I think, like you said, that's not only the model in the CFL, that is increasingly the model in the NFL as well. Where teams are having success, maybe not always necessarily winning championships, it worked for Kansas City this year finally, but where you have your rookie quarterback, you have your young quarterback on his rookie deal that you know you're going to pay out the ass for soon, but yes. right now you don't have to, so you have this quarterback who is arguably who, these guys who are arguably you know top ten quarterbacks in the NFL already, even though they're in year two and three of their careers, and you just stack the team around them. Yes, and absolutely. that is increasingly what's happening in the world of football. As soon as you have to start overpaying your quarterback, your chances don't go away. You can still win with that model, but they certainly diminish. So for that regard, I would stick with a guy like Vernon Adams. I think you can get him on a pretty good deal. You can stack the team around him. You can make, and he, I think he's going to still be, I think he still has a higher ceiling in this league than he's shown. Agreed. He's mobile. He can move. He makes a lot of throws. And what he's shown is he, you know, we, you know, we talk about QB wins, but he wins games. He wins games for his team. And he adjusts. He learns from what's happening on the field around him. Kind of like Cody Fajardo does that as well. But I, I still I like the upside of Vernon Adams Jr. Still, <laughs> Vernon Adams has a lot of similar traits to Fajardo, but has way more athleticism. Yeah, right. Um, no, <laughs> what are the odds you think the PA does this? Because to me, the, to me, the more I think about it, it is going to be the PA's call mm-hmm. to enact this clause. Okay, the league obviously wouldn't do it. No, no, oh God, no. Nobody in the league wants to do it. But you know, if you're the PA, do you maybe use it to get a concession? That's probably right. where this goes. I think it's it's more it's more the pressure on something else more so than actually wanting to go through with this. I think the, there will be guys who will probably want to. There will be agents who probably want to. The overall majority probably not. Right, but on the same note, I think. Well, if they're smart, they'll use it to get something in the league for sure. Yeah, or, or again, just the the utter. Like to me, if 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 it happens. And this, again, this comes back to how much of a buzz for the league would that be if they took a whole season off and came back and had a, like a, 
I don't know if you could ever do it. I don't know if you could ever silence our boy Dunk. <laughs> but if you basically had some sort of like, you know how you can put on like fantasy draft mode when you're playing like NHL on your PlayStation or MLB on your PlayStation, like how cool would that be? The fantasy draft special where they announce who's been signed to what team on one night. You want to build some hype. You want to build some debate. That's the way to do it right there. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.